0: Hi, it's Alyssa Milano, and I'm so excited for you to read my new book, Sorry Not Sorry. It's my unapologetic examination of life, culture, and activism, and it's available for pre order now, everywhere books are sold. Hi, I'm Alyssa Milano, and this is Sorry Not Sorry. Over the past nearly two years, we've seen the horrible and deadly harm the anti-vaccine movement has done to our nation and our world. While we know that vaccines are safe and effective, and so many people are dead as a result. In a recent article, Kurt Eichenwald exposes Andrew Wakefield, a doctor at the root of much of this skepticism, and joins me today to discuss. Yesterday, a respected British medical journal retracted a study that said the MMR vaccine may trigger autism.
1: That follows last week's ruling by Britain's medical regulator that Dr. Andrew Wakefield, the study's main author, behaved unethically with... Callous disregard for the children involved. It's also clear and undeniable that a big part of vaccine resistance in the agri in the US is being driven by opposition of conservatives, conservative media. Many of us are frustrated with the nearly 80 million Americans who are still not vaccinated, even though the vaccine is safe, effective, and free. Hi, I'm Kurt Eichenwald, a journalist who's working to expose the modern anti-vaxxer movement. Sorry, not sorry.
0: Thank you so much for being here with me, Kurt. I really appreciate it. I think it's really important what you're doing. Tell us about Andrew Wakefield. Who is he and what is his background?
1: Andrew Wakefield is the father of the modern anti vaxxer movement. And he's a guy, he's still with us. He's out there going after COVID. He's at events with General Flynn and with Sidney Powell and with all of these Trump nutcases who are pushing anti vax themes. He's a popular guy online. And what he is, is he's a fraud. He was a gastroenterologist, somebody who did research on intestines, which you might notice doesn't make him qualified to give you word one on research on vaccines. And he became obsessed with a particular vaccine called the MMR, the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine. And originally he said the MMR causes Crohn's disease. And it was a lousy little study that nobody paid attention to, but he was running around telling the British government, you're going to need to change all of the programs for the, for vaccination. You're going to have to do this and this and this, and nobody paid much attention to him.
0: I remember this, and I'm sure my listeners remember who who may have had babies in this time because
1: no, 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 this was earlier. This was before
0: this was earlier than that. So what year, so what year, what year are we talking about?
1: Now we're talking about 1994 when he exploded was in 1998, but he had been going after vaccines for years before that. And You know, it's I I got in this book, The Big Lie, which (laughs) has come to mean something else. But the book was titled before that. I've got a bunch of Wakefield's letters. I got a bunch of different things that he put together. And it's clear that this guy was obsessed with taking down the vaccines. I don't know why. But when his original research saying that this intestinal disease, Crohn's disease, was caused by the MMR, when it was dismissed out of hand, he went on pretty much of a rampage. And the next theory he picked up was the infamous autism link.
0: And now what year was that? That was ninety-eight.
1: He started on it immediately after uh, the publication of his Crohn's paper that nobody cared about. And what was interesting about it was he didn't have any evidence for this. What happened is some, um, a mother of a kid with autism called him up and she worked as a manager of a biz- at a business and she had retired to take care of her kid. And she said, I have a theory, and my theory is that you get the MMR, and it causes an intestinal problem, and the intestinal problem then causes a leak of something into the bloodstream, which then goes up into the brain, and then that leak of the things from the intestine going up into the brain then causes a problem that leads to... Autism. Now there's like 12,000 things being assumed there, and that's going to require a lot of research. Who is this woman? Just some woman.
0: So she wasn't a doctor?
1: No, she wasn't a doctor. She was an office manager. Oh my gosh.
0: Okay, (laughs) keep going. I can't. It's so hard for me to wrap my head around it.
1: Wakefield goes, this is a great theory. And he runs off and first he signs up. He starts putting together a proposal to do research on this. Then he signs up with a class action lawyer as a consultant who's suing the vaccine makers. There are thousands of parents who are all saying the same thing,
0: that the triple antigen, MMR, is to blame for their children's autism.
1: In 1995, 96, I started getting calls from parents who said, my child was developing perfectly normally and then they had their MMR vaccine in many cases, and then they just disappeared.
0: British gastroenterologist
1: Dr Andrew Wakefield believes he's found a link between the vaccine and autism. And his entire study, and this is the whole thing about that study, it didn't prove what anything that Wakefield says. It didn't prove that vaccines cause autism. There's never been a study, not even Wakefields, that proved that. All it did was say, we have 12 kids. I looked at 12 kids, and of these 12 kids, this many, I can't remember what it was, of the parents of these 12 kids said that their kid received the MMR vaccine, and within four weeks, they had developed autism. That's pretty, that's an interesting thing for for further research. That's pretty close, four weeks, except it was a lie. He made it up. Some of them actually had the vaccine after they showed signs of autism. And what Wakefield had also done is there weren't 12 kids. There were significantly more kids. He just dropped out a lot of them who didn't fit what he was trying to say. So the whole study was a fraud. It had nothing to it, but parents say this, and here's a statistical thing, and I'm taking out data that doesn't fit, and the reason why it became vaccines cause autism when the study itself said there is no proof here that vaccines cause autism is that he went to a press conference with his co-authors who were all saying it doesn't show anything. It doesn't prove that vaccines cause autism. And he just launched into a diatribe about vaccines causing autism. And there needs to be a single shot, not the measles, mumps and rubella shot and he doesn't disclose that at the time he's filed a patent for a single shot. He was always recommending things that he had patents for. And the reporters didn't read the study and ran off and wrote up all these stories, vaccines linked to autism. Now, his MMR study linked to autism didn't show that. He eventually just started saying vaccines cause autism. Now, again, it's it, it, he doesn't even have the intellectual honesty to stick with what he originally said. It's just every vaccine causes autism. And now he's going after the COVID vaccine by pushing all of this nonsense.
0: It's so frustrating for me for a number of reasons, right? One is I'm a UNICEF ambassador and to travel the world as I have, has been such a privilege. And part of our mission statement is to make sure no child dies of a preventable cause. And that means vaccinations. And so I've seen how firsthand, how vaccinations, even in developing nations, save lives when so much is stacked against people. So that's the one thing that that makes me upset. The other thing that makes me upset that I cannot figure out, and maybe this is because I'm an actress and I need to figure out people in order to portray different people, but I can't figure out why anyone would want to make their mark by spreading medical disinformation. Do you think it's for financial reasons?
1: Let's start off with a few things. I've asked a lot of people that about Wakefield, for instance, and people who worked in his lab said he's a terrible scientist. There are others who said he's a narcissistic sociopath. I can't say that's true. I don't know. I'm just saying what people said. But then you look at what was he? He was a researcher working in a lab in a hospital in London. What is he now? I know he dates Ella McPherson. Elle McPherson is dating one of the most famous anti-vaxxers in the world, and her ties to the movement are getting deeper. McPherson recently dubbed the pandemic a divine time to promote a campaign against vaccinations, backing her disgraced boyfriend and former Dr. Andrew Wakefield. Uh, He had a mansion in Austin and now he lives in Florida in quite a lavish spread. You know, he hangs out with actresses and supermodels. He's richer than any scientist could ever be. And there's a lot of money to be made in it. If you look at all the, people talk about the Russians pushing anti-vax nonsense online. Well, so do all of these people who are making money off of clicks.
0: The other thing that was so upsetting to me, because I have a niece on the autistic spectrum, and to make that connection falsely and give parents who have children with autism Something to really, I know so many parents that grabbed onto that because they would have grabbed onto anything to make sense of why their child is hurting or is different. And so to prey on those parents in a way and say, you know what, nobody can find the answer to this, but I found the answer. This is why.
1: It's fundamentally evil.
0: It's fundamentally evil to do that to to parents who are already vulnerable. And to be clear, I just want to say this on the record for anyone who is listening: there has never been a link between vaccines and autism.
1: No, I, I can go further. It has been proven that it is not true. And Andrew Wakefield is a fraud. He has been stripped of his medical license. He had. I think it was something like 250 days of hearings in Britain about his medical license. Everyone involved in this testified, and it was obscene. It was obscene what happened.
0: Why do you think people believed what Wakefield said? Is it just validating their own hesitancy? Like, where does it come from that someone would say, you know, yeah, I'm going to believe this guy even after the hearings and being proven incorrect?
1: It it, it comes down to the nature of the anti-vax mindset completely. I mean, we have had anti-vaxxers forever. Gandhi was an anti-vaxxer and that changed over time. My father was a pediatric infectious disease specialist and we have fairly global renown. We had Albert Sabin over at our house hanging out sometimes. That's the developer of the oral live polio vaccine. And they would talk about one of the biggest problems they had in third world countries. They ever talked about it here, except as being kooks and crackpots, was small groups and governments in, in underdeveloped countries where they were frightened of diseases and were trying to understand them and would create these Mythology, where the scientists who were trying to help them were in fact the bad guys, that they were the ones causing the infection. And you saw this with AIDS in Africa. And so what you had was it spread among religious groups. Government leaders found it useful in consolidating power. I know that happened in. And something actually my father dealt with, i want to say Bolivia. And ultimately what would happen is they would work within the communities. The leadership of a country would eventually cave as the bodies piled up and they would work within a country to gain community support and you would get overcome the anti-vaxxer attitude. That doesn't always work. Right now, if you go, if when people talk about polio being eradicated, it's not. If you go the two major countries, I think there's only two left, and it's uh, Pakistan and Afghanistan, where there is still polio. And the reason why is because Muslim fundamentalists Just like Christian fundamentalists in the United States on COVID, Muslim fundamentalists have decided based on nothing that the polio vaccine is a conspiracy by Western scientists to make Muslim men impotent.
0: As President Biden's COVID-19 vaccine effort ramps up, religious-based conspiracy theories surrounding the vaccinations are exploding on social media. Some creators have been posting dramatic videos where they make false claims about the vaccine containing microchips or ingredients associated with the devil. Others often refer to masks and vaccines as an indication of a biblical symbol called the mark of the beast social media platforms have been able to ban a lot of this content but it's become increasingly more difficult to
1: enforce and so therefore it's just it's intended as it's this big conspiracy in order to wipe out the muslim population and in fact it was just last week i think where a team of people who were working, a team of, a vaccine team arrived in Pakistan to help vaccinate in a village. And they were there with their security guards because they had to be, because just like people in school boards and people in health departments in the United States, there are always threats of violence. And Muslim fundamentalists came up and shot all their security guards. They let the vaccinate her. The people who were there to deliver the vaccines survive, but they fled. They didn't deliver any. And it was, you know, we're not going to let you make Muslim men impotent. Well, guess what? Nicki Minaj just said the same damn thing about the COVID vaccine. And these whole things are the, these whole things are the same story over and over again. The scientists are the bad guys. That's what the underdeveloped countries were saying in in the 1950s. How did this all
0: become political, though?
1: Because the Republican Party has turned fundamentally evil. There is no other explanation for this. What you had is a circumstance where you remember what I said earlier about underdeveloped countries and you had a point where You know, I think I said this where leaders looked on this unification of religious groups and tribal groups who were frightened and who were coming up with conspiracy theories as a means of consolidating power until the number of bodies got to be so many that they, you know, they started working towards it. The Republican Party is doing the exact same thing that the developed nations were doing in the 1960s, which is. Oh, look, these tribal groups, the Facebook followers, the the level marketing people, because it's the same population, the evangelical Christians, the MAGA people, they're all spewing these conspiracy theories. Trump comes out and says, get a vaccine, get a vaccine, and he gets booed. They see it. So they're taking the exact same reaction that African leaders who denied the existence of HIV did. It's like this helps consolidate my power. There
0: is a point where vaccines and politics have to merge, right? Because all of these issues are public health issues. We're in the middle of a pandemic, and so much is reliant. We're relying on people getting the vaccine to get out of this. And it's not just in our country. There's only 3% of, of the population in Africa is vaccinated. Part of that is because they don't have access to not only the vaccines, but also there is no infrastructure to get the vaccines from the tarmac into people's arms. But Do we need to take the politics completely out of that, of this fight? It's impossible. It's impossible. impossible. But don't we need the political will of the G7, the richer nations, to get a hold and be able to get past COVID? Don't we need political will right now?
1: You know, it's very funny because it's so shocking to me. To, again, to have grown up hearing these stories about underdeveloped nations and now looking at the United States and seeing the same thing playing out in a way that's unstoppable.
0: Because of social media.
1: Well, also because the difference was back then there was an understanding in the 60s and 70s and 50s. There was an understanding that scientists know more than we do about science. That doctors know more than we do about medicine. And that science is complicated. Increasingly, however, lay people don't care about expert views. Instead, many Americans have become insufferable know-it-alls, locked in constant conflict with each other, while knowing almost nothing about the subject they're debating. And that throwing chicken bones is not treatment. Eating cinnamon is not a treatment for diabetes. Guess what? my wife's a doctor she has to fight that one all the time people who come in and say no 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 I don't need to get shots I'll just eat cinnamon and she has, that doesn't do any I'll eat cinnamon and then I can have a piece of cake so no that doesn't treat diabetes but that's online somewhere so they think it does
0: this is so dangerous obviously because it's corresponding with the most at least in my lifetime the scariest public health crisis that we've Ever seen?
1: We have a political party that has decided that everything that has surrendered any concept of governance, that has surrendered. Look at what's going on right now. If the United States defaulted on its debt, that would be the end of the country economically. And they're playing games with it. And so you have bodies piling up everywhere. If someone has a heart attack today, if I'm in Texas, if someone I know, if I have a heart attack today, I may or may not be able to get into a hospital. And that's a frightening thing.
0: Let me ask you this. Why do you think, because it seems to me that this vaccine skepticism, these anti-vaxxers, they live in this place that appeals to people outside the mainstream it's either the far left in the wellness quote unquote wellness community or the far right and they seem to find common cause in this particular fight why do you think that is
1: Well, it's interesting. The anti-vaxxers starting, you know, in the late 90s were much more of the far left, big pharma is evil type people. All they want is money. And so vaccines. Now, the reality is that vaccines are not particularly profitable. And people, we do not have as many companies making vaccines as we used to, because a lot of companies just said, Forget it. I'm getting out. And so there are other things they could do that are much more profitable. That sort of left-wing side of it was chugging along pretty well. And then around 2015, you started seeing this blending, this initial blending of the alt-right into the anti-vaxxer movement. And it really started to take off in August of 2015.
0: So before Trump
1: well, this is, this is the interesting thing. In August of 2015, there was a meeting between Donald Trump and Andrew Wakefield, the fella who did the study on vaccines cause autism, which they don't. And Trump got up at a debate and he said, I know, you know, have a friend and the child got got vaccinated. And five minutes later, the child had autism. Well, that was a complete lie. And I know it's a complete lie. And I know from someone who is friends, there is somebody who is friends of that family that I know, the person, knows, and there was no connection to vaccines whatsoever. But He'd heard Wakefield say this about vaccines and autism, and he'd met a family who was a friend of a friend who had a kid with autism. So in his little mind, he just went, and he started telling people that, oh, children, you have an eight pound baby and it gets 16 pounds of vaccines. He literally said this. And that was when the alt-right really, because Trump was adopting the anti-vaxxer mindset. But again, you know, it's not solely vaccine based. Other things have never had a vaccine and they go away. So I don't want people to think that this is all dependent on vaccine. And that was when the alt-right started really moving in, at which point the, the real neo-Nazis, the really bad guys, started seeing this as an entree into online communities. And so you've got a lot of very bad people who are, so you've got this unified anti-vaxxer movement that is far left, far right, neo-Nazis.
0: Yeah. So is this an accurate assessment? Because it seemed like after the election, there was a whole Stop the Steal campaign from the people Trump brought in from the fringes. And that resulted, obviously, in an attack on our nation. And it seems like there's a link in the people who don't believe in COVID and the vaccines and the people that believe that Trump didn't lose the election.
1: Oh, absolutely. There's a direct connection. There's a direct connection between hardcore MAGA, make America great again people, hardcore Trump supporters, the stop the steal people the anti-vaxxers, and then you start to trail off. But all these people are the QAnon people are all anti-vaxxers.
0: So we got to stop the steal to stop the vaccine in in the blink of an eye.
1: Right. And so now you have this community of the difference between the past and now is it used to be people would go into into their neighborhoods let's say in bolivia people would go in into their neighborhood and they would discuss with each other their concerns and they would give whatever mythology they were going to give and they would spin their tails and give their suspicions and so you'd have this community would develop and it would spread a little bit and you could combat it and you'd have a unified world combating now you've got social media that is spreading everywhere And if you had a concerted effort on the part of government and the media in terms of getting these people back into reality, it would be doable. But Fox News makes money off of lying. That's right.
0: They've all monetized fear.
1: They've monetized fear. They've monetized insanity. The Republican Party sees this as a Path to power. And so I so was saying, how can killing your supporters work? Look at it. They're in red states. They could afford to kill about 2 million people and 2 million of their supporters in red states, and they'll still be fine. You know, to a large degree, this is the problem of if we had a popular vote rather than electoral college, this wouldn't be happening.
0: And this is something that I've been saying well before 2020. And I agree with you. But my question is, Do you think that this is all mainstream now? It's easy to say it's the fringe, but millions of Americans still believe that Donald Trump not only won the election, but is actually acting as a shadow president. Recently, Michael Flynn even called for a coup. So can we say that this is on the fringes of our society or has this become mainstream? And how dangerous is that?
1: It's become a driving, it's become a twisted driving force in our society. And unfortunately, there are so many elements to this. One of the big elements is that journalism has failed. And it's failed because it has, we are in a a completely different environment than we have ever been in the history of this country. Another way of thinking about this is, and this bears on your reporting, I think that there is oftentimes the impulse to suggest that if the two parties are disagreeing, then they're equally at fault, and the truth lies somewhere in the middle, and a, an equivalence is presented, which is, reinforces, I think, people's cynicism about Washington generally. This is not one of those situations where there's an equivalence. There is not on the one hand, on the other hand. I worked at the New York Times for many years, and there was the dean of business reporters, this guy named Floyd Norris, and he always used to joke about balanced reporting. And he he went, Nazis are terrible. On the other hand, (laughs) it was sort of, you know, he was sort of doing the joke. Well, that's pretty much where we are now, where we have people saying absolute absurdities And then we have a, and here's the response to the absolute absurdity. And we have to be able to look at this and say, for example, how do you describe what's going on with the Republicans? The Republicans are fighting for the United States to default on its debt. Why are we not calling it that? That's what it is. The Republicans are fighting to hold back on vaccinations, the Republicans are impeding public health initiatives. That's what's happening.
0: OK, so let me ask you this. Very important question might be the most important question I'm going to ask you today. What do you think our government should do to fight not only the rising anti-science, but also anti-democracy insurgency in America?
1: I, th- I think. All you have to do is really look around at where we are, because look where we were five years ago and where we are now. Look where we were 10, 15 years ago. Now go 15 years into the future. How do we deal with any of this? Unless the Republican Party collapses in total and is replaced by a true conservative party. The Republican Party is not a conservative party. This has nothing to do with ideology. They are a power for power's sake.
0: What do you think it would take for the Republican Party to collapse? It seems like we've already been through all the bad things. They've done all the bad things and they're still standing. And maybe that's your point. And maybe that's why you feel that we've failed.
1: There is no end to, there seems to be nothing that can be done. And it amazes me. I always used to be called naive because even though I frequently would write about bad guys, I always gave people the benefit of the doubt. And, and for a very long time. And I thought, as I looked at Trump, this would happen, this will happen, this will, even, you know, not just people in office, but also reporters, also, you know, the, the whole system. And it's failed at every single level. And so you stand back and you go, oh, the system held. No, it didn't. You had things stretching to the very, very sinew. It just didn't break at that very last point. Well, that's not, now play it out again. Play it out a third time. Play it out a fourth time. We were lucky. We can't live off luck.
0: And the fact that was lucky, the fact that what this nation has been through in the last five years, we can say, you know what, we were lucky. We were lucky he didn't start a Nuclear, but the fact that was lucky. Let me ask you in a different way, because I really, I refuse to lose faith that it's going to be okay. And maybe that's just my naivete, but I believe and I've always believed, and it's why I'm an activist. And I think why I'm impactful is because I believe in the power of the individual. And I feel like most of us have someone we know who believes this shit. So, Do you have any thoughts on how we can help bring people back into the light? What can individuals do?
1: You know, there's something that people who don't know anti-vaxxers or who don't really live in this world look at and go, oh, that's terrible, which is this Reddit site called the Herman Cain Awards, which what it is, it's pretty horrible. But what it is, it shows people's evolution from slamming conspiracy theories and nasty memes and pro-Trump and attacking Fauci and the rest on Facebook and on Twitter. And then I'm anti-vax and the vaccine, ivermectin's great. And then they're in the hospital and they die. And sometimes it's held up as, oh, these people are celebrating their death. They're like, no, that's not at all what this is. What this is, is it's showing the reality because one of the things that's so interesting about them is they all, up until the point they're in the hospitals, the story of what they're posting is all the same. It's all the same stuff over and over and over and over again. And so you're able to lay it out to somebody going, you're not even original about what you're arguing. Now, look at all these people. Look at this. Here's a 14-year-old daughter talking about her father who died. Here's her description of how her father died in front of her. And look what he was doing the same thing you're doing. Is it really worth it? So one of the things that's up there a lot is you'll have people who post their vaccination cards because the family members have done that. An unvaccinated TikTok creator who died of the coronavirus spent her final days pleading with her followers to get the vaccine. 31-year-old Megan Alexandra Blankenbiller died on August 24th, just nine days after she made her final TikTok video, in which she urged viewers to protect themselves from COVID-19. I shouldn't have waited. I think if if you are even 70% sure that you want the vaccine, go get it. They've sat someone down and said, read through these. And they get convinced and they get vaccinated. And that's the thing. You have to have some mechanism of online counter-extremism.
0: Yeah, just even accountability.
1: Yeah. We, have a, we had a program that was set up through Homeland Security for people to go online to deal with jihadist extremism to get in the conversation. And that's really what we need to be doing. We need to be engaging. We, the government, needs to be engaging these people, getting in these conversations, breaking them up a little bit because there's such an insular bubble.
0: So you're talking about like the people who are spreading disinformation?
1: People who are consuming it.
0: People who are consuming it.
1: spreaders, there's nothing we can do. The spreaders are making money off of it.
0: I actually like that idea. I think that's really smart. And it's not unlike what government programs do anyway with people writing into – Talk about their student debt and why it's important. So I do think we probably have the the ways in which to make that happen for people to to engage. And I think a lot of this is it's just like the Wild West. There's no accountability at all. And I want to ask you, like, what do you think should happen to Andrew Wakefield? Do you think he's criminally liable for the many deaths he's probably enabled? I don't know. Look, this is how I look at it. Like the people of the people in charge in Flint, Michigan, who made really bad decisions uh, and tried to cover it up, were found to be criminally liable for poisoning their population, their constituents with lead and dirty water. Is this any different?
1: You'd have to prove that Wakefield didn't believe what he was saying was true. And that he knew what he was doing was fraudulent. And, and because that's that recklessness is not is, is a civil standard. You have to have intent for a criminal standard. And that's how Wakefield gets to be out there. You know, Wakefield, Wakefield went and was able to convince a Somali community in Michigan, I think, that vaccines were dangerous. And so they had a major measles outbreak directly attributable to him. Well, right now, state health officials are closely watching the outbreak of a virus many thought to be long gone in the U.S. That's because there have been several new confirmed cases of measles here in Michigan. State health officials say eight new measles cases have been confirmed as of last night in Oakland County. That brings the total number of measles cases this year to 30. 29 of those have been confirmed in Oakland County, while the state has confirmed one case in Wayne County, The state says those who have been infected with measles in the state range in age from 1 to 63, with most cases being found in adults. Health officials say the recent resurgence of measles is a result of two factors, sick people traveling to and from the country and people choosing not to get vaccinated. People like him are dangerous. The sad part of this is that we have had multiple pandemics. In this century, we had SARS, we had H1N1, we had MERS, and we had COVID. And the thing that's that's real is, I'm sorry, COVID didn't have to happen. Donald Trump is responsible for COVID. In any other environment, the United States would have done what the United States always does, which it would have taken the lead in terms of dealing with this. It would have organized globally. The response. It would have worked with the World Health Organization. And the way the Republicans try to do with this is deal with this is go, oh look, Obama had H1N1. Yeah, so what? It didn't blow up across the world. You know, yes, people died, and it stopped. It's a success story. It was much more infectious. And it got stopped. But and I remember there was a time where early on in February of 2020 the uh, head of the World Health Organization was giving a press conference, and he was practically begging. And he said, we have never had an out-of-control pandemic from a coronavirus. It is easy to stop. Once it starts, it's impossible to stop. We do not have all of the countries that should be working on this. And he was clearly talking about the United States and Britain. And it was clear, it's like once we are past a point of no return, this is going to go out of control. We've got to move now. And it was about five days later that Trump said, you know, this is their new hoax. And that was literally the point. I called every member of our family and said, we're going to have to lock down. This is going to explode because Trump is too dumb to know that we are about to get hit with a major pandemic.
0: And we saw it. We saw it coming. We saw it. We knew it was coming. We saw it. We saw it in Wuhan. We then saw it in Italy.
1: Yeah. And they just sat around doing nothing. I mean, Bush was great on pandemics. He did a great job on SARS. And then not only did he do a great job on SARS, he did a great job on AIDS. But then he also didn't say, "Oh, that's over, let's move on." He then he created a task force to develop a first major report. Then it was updated. He had a second one on a whole system. Then Obama came in, Bush handed that off to him. Obama did a third version of it, which was just each one of them building on the last and created the major task force. And they handed it over to Trump, who threw it all away, disbanded the task force, and eliminated everything to deal with pandemics. And basically all the work that Bush and Obama had done to detect growing threat of a pandemic, because we are in an era of pandemics now.
0: Because deforestation has moved the animals closer to where
1: people live. A lot of things are in play. You know, you've got, it's strange that you've got climate change. I mean, it's all, it's all interacting together.
0: Almost like exactly what the scientists said would happen is happening. So the the question, I this has been a thoroughly depressing talk. So thank you so much, (laughs) Kurt. I'm going to hang up and go sit in the fetal position and weep. But I like to leave these interviews hopeful because I've interviewed a lot of people about some really hard issues. Is there anything that gives you hope or what gives you hope?
1: The 80%. By which I mean, Biden came out and said, mandates. And there was lots of screaming, and lots of noise, and lots of heat, and lots of fire. And then the polls came in. And some of them were 80% in support of him. More than four in five Americans, or 81%, support federal mask requirements.
0: And that support is bipartisan. A majority of Republicans and independents support it, while
1: nearly all Democrats, 99%, support the initiative. Certainly the, the vast majority of Americans were like, yeah, let's end this damn thing. And the percentage of Americans who have been vaccinated, unfortunately, to a degree, once we're able to get children vaccinated, and hopefully we will be, once children are safe, it's going to start to narrow down into this group of people. And it's very strange because all the Republicans who wanted herd immunity are going to get it. Everyone's going to have it eventually through vaccination. And this other group is going to have it by having had COVID or dying. And so that's, that's a process of herd immunity is either... You're diseased or dead. So they may make the most noise. And we're basically chained to the 30%. And Republicans, because they're able to, they have set up a system where politically they can control the government through the 30%, have no motivation to act in the interest of anybody. All they have to do is rant and scream and say stuff they know is absolute Garbage. Hopefully, the Republicans, if America is to survive, the Republican Party has to collapse and a real conservative party has to take over. And so long as this thing that calls itself the Republican Party continues to exist in its current form, America is in danger. And so it is my hope that the very same people who are in that polling group, who are the people who are getting vaccinated, who are the very same people who recognize that we have to come together as a nation in order to stop the deaths, stop the long-term consequences. And we're going to be living with COVID consequences for a very long time. People with dementia, the psychological impact, the long-term impact, Just the demand for lung transplants is going to be huge and kidney trans, liver transplants. And those people begin to recognize more and more that this country has got to be about more than tax cuts and anti-abortion. It is my hope in particular that the people who can really save us is the generation that's a lot smarter than mine, which is the younger folks, and they're not voting. I think the, I'm a boomer, and I think we are a disease that we have wrecked this country financially. We have contributed to so many bad things, but unfortunately, we're continuing to do it. And the only way it can be dealt with is with generational voting. There needs to be, and actually here's...
0: So the young people give you hope.
1: The young people give me hope and the young people, and that really needs to be, they need to start voting against us. They need to recognize that there is a generation here that is selfish, self-centered, and has done an enormous amount of damage to the world they're going to live in. They have to start voting against everything we stand for, everything that the majority of my generation stand for, to try and fix what we've done. So one of the things I would say with it would be very important is mass voter registration drives for younger generations.
0: We try. I've been doing this political activism now for 20 years, and every single election cycle it is all about, how do we get the young people out to vote? And this was even when I was a young person. It's real hard to get young people out to vote when they feel that politicians don't speak directly to them. And that has always been the issue. I just want to say, Kurt Eichenwald, you give me hope. Thank you for all that you do and for being a part of the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. Today, we live in a world where misinformation poses an imminent and insidious threat to our nation's health.
0: U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy says health misinformation is one of several reasons why Americans aren't getting vaccinated. And now he's taking on the fight against falsehoods.
1: We must confront misinformation as a nation. Every one of us has the power and the responsibility to make a difference in this fight. Lives are depending on it.
0: It's hard not to take the attack to the anti-vaccine people and make it personal. After all, their chosen anti-science beliefs is literally killing people here, at home, and around the world. But it's important to remember when we can that incorrect beliefs of theirs have their roots in influential bad actors feeding them disinformation. People like Andrew Wakefield are, in my view, very nearly murderers. The lies people like Wakefield spread, relying on their credentials and fear to self-promote and profit off of the deaths of too many, remind me of the NRA. There is no death that will stop them because they are making money and gaining influence. It's sick. And the best way for us to fight back is with empathy, education, and lifting the voices of the real experts spreading truth and saving lives. For really great, accurate information about vaccines, you should listen to our episodes with Dr. Peter Hotez, Dr. Dina Grayson, and about the people's vaccine with Oxfam. Turn to your doctors, your local boards of health, and the many experts who work saving lives every day. Bring understanding and empathy along with the truth, and you'll be far more likely to overcome the fear that quacks, like Wakefield, spread. In the end, it will save lives. Sorry Not Sorry is executive produced by Alyssa Milano. That's me. Our producer is Ben Jackson, audio editing and engineering by Maciej Lewandowski, and music by Josh Cook, Alicia Eagle, and Milo Buliari. Don't forget to rate, review, and spread the word. Sorry, not sorry.